See, the Pharisees were like, we're grown-ups, we're leaders. We enter here. We'll be we us. He goes, you don't get in that way. Sorry. You're going to have to be, this is Nicodemus, John 3. You're going to have to be born again. How can I be born again? I'm an old man. I know you think you're so wise and you're so grown up. You're going to have to start at zero. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Hi fellas, it's Steve Emanuel here. I want to give you a little introduction to what you're about to hear. I was asked to speak to a ministry school that's uh, based here in Cincinnati, but it's online. By the way, it's called Jump School, and if you want to find out about it, um, it's a school that I lead, and you can find out about it at crossroads.net slash jump school. A lot of our classes are um, virtual, so if you live far afield, you could still join a lot of our classes. Anyhow... I was asked to speak for the kind of semester kickoff of Jump School, and the thing that I shared was about the urgency of discipleship and how I think uh, pursuing Christ with everything in us is particularly urgent now um, when it feels like the world around us is crumbling. And so um, I think that message is applicable to everybody. So... um, if you're interested, I'd like for you to be interested. I think it'd be nutritious for you. If you want to hang in, it's about an hour long of me walking through some of the same principles um, as I've talked about before regarding what huias level maturity looks like, but um, there's a lot more decorations around that. Understand I'm speaking to our ministry school audience um, I was speaking particularly to a, a college um, a campus. Um, based group on that night, so uh, just so you understand who the who the audience is. But I think the things inside there, they're I'm I'm they're mostly scriptural, so I think they apply everywhere, and I think you guys might benefit. So I just thought uh, I might um, I don't know resource you with this talk. So here it is, it's me. God bless you for sitting through another hour of me, but uh, on the urgency of discipleship. Bless you guys. See you later. I'm really geared up about this content tonight. I'm very excited about what I'm going to be saying because I think the Lord is moving right now on planet Earth. And I'm very excited about what he's doing. So I want to invite you into that even more than you already are because I don't know your your stories right now. Let's read some headlines, shall we? Here's the headline. This is on NBC News right now. Democrats seek Trump's removal after riots in D.C. I didn't know that. They want to pursue impeachment again. Um, First federal charges filed in connection to Capitol rioting. Pelosi calls on chief of Capitol Police to resign. Biden, Black Lives Matter protesters would have been treated differently at Capitol riot. Schumer vows to fire Senate sergeant-at-arms after Capitol riot. Here's another one. CNN, coronavirus, the latest news on the COVID-19 global pandemic. 
The U.S. reports highest single-day death toll as CDC offers grim forecasts for the end of the month. China bans 11 million people from leaving the city, and Hebei province, don't know what that is, as health officials try to contain virus outbreak. This is NPR. Enrollment is dropping in public schools around the country. All right, just a few headlines for us there. So reading the headlines today, or this week, or this year, just to ask you a question, do you really think that all present systems are eternal? Do you think that the institutions that exist right now are eternal? No. Do you think they're even reliable in this moment? No. No, they're not. So would you all name some institutions to me? Let's hear some institutions. Educational. Education system is an institution. Government. The government is an institution. I thought that would be number one. Thank you, Yasmin, for answering that question. Yes. The medical institution. It is an institution. These are systems. The legal institution. We, we can name all of our favorite brand names. There's going to be some brand names playing Monday night. Going to play flat football against each other. Brand names of institutions. There's a brand name on this institution. I wore this hat in tonight. There's brand names of institutions. Now, here's what I want you to understand about these things. I think this is, uh, I think this is Hebrews 12. His voice shook the earth at Mount Sinai then, but now he's given a promise saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the starry heaven. Now this expression, yet once more, indicates the removal and final transformation of all those things which can be shaken. That is, of that which has been created, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. I don't blame you if the days feel frightening to you. At the very least, they should make you question about what you're standing on and what you're tethered to, which we shall discuss more. But if you know the scriptures, we certainly should not be surprised at the days that we're living in. This passage says, all those things which can be shaken shall be removed so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. The institutions of the world are shaking right now. I don't know if they're coming down this week. I don't know if they're coming down this month. I don't know if they're coming down this year. But I know they're coming down. And so when we feel these birth pangs, we're going to look at Matthew 24 in just a second. When we feel these birth pangs, that's what this is. There's a moment of travail when a woman starts to give birth that it looks like she's giving birth right now. But actually she's not. It's just a hint that it's coming. You need to prepare yourself because it's definitely coming. We're in a moment right now where institutions are shaking. And the things that you stand on, if it's shaking under you, you should move somewhere else to something that's not shaking so that you won't be shaken out at the final shaking that's clearly coming. I'm not finished with this passage. Therefore, 
Since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, woo! Let us show gratitude. Can you imagine that being the posture of the church these days? Any of those loudmouth, big shot pastors on your social feed, did they ever say, I just want to communicate gratitude? Because that's the posture, according to Hebrews 12, that we should be showing to the Lord in these days. Because I'm so grateful that my feet are connected to a kingdom which cannot be shaken. That's what this passage says. Let us show gratitude and offer to God pleasing, offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship. Does that sound like any other passage anybody knows? Offer to him pleasing and acceptable worship. Offer our, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's right. Offer our bodies as living sacrifices. This is the beginning of Romans 12, which is our reasonable and pleasing act of worship to offer ourselves to him. So when you feel like everything is moving around you, there's, there's one thing that we should be doing, which is offering ourselves to him alone. That's what I'm inviting you into tonight. With reverence and awe, for our God is indeed a consuming fire. It, it wasn't just a, he wasn't just joking when he said that he's a jealous God. He wasn't just joking when he said, the things that you put your faith in, I will pull those things down. That's what, that's what God said to Jeremiah about the spirit of prophecy that was in him. I'm giving it to you to build and to destroy, that the prophetic words that come out of your mouth will destroy. What are they going to destroy? The kingdom which cannot be shaken? That's impossible. You can't destroy that. What's it going to destroy? It's going to destroy all of the systems, all of our faith in all of these systems around us. Hallelujah. We could go home right now. I'm, I'm just so pleased at that the word of the Lord. <clears throat> this hot looking guy is John Donne from, from about 1600. And he famously said, no man is an island. This guy said, you're going to have to serve somebody in 1979. He, he is prophetic, and these are true words. He probably said it like this, you know, you're going to have to serve somebody, said, said Bob Dylan in 1979. David said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Woo! That's Psalm 62. If you need somewhere to go with the Lord tonight, go to Psalm 62. And I'm going to give you another passage that is hot, has hot sauce all over it right now. Psalm 62 says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I, for you have been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. This is a man who understands what it's like when the world around him starts to move. And he says, I have to have access to something that's stronger than the current president or regime that's in charge. I got to have something more sustainable than that. And David in Psalm 62 says, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. <clears throat> love him. Love that guy. My point in these passages, no man is an island, you're going to have to serve somebody, lead me to the rock that's higher than I, is that human beings, and I don't think John Donne was a believer, but he saw this about us, no man is an island, he saw that we were made to tether to something. 
Humans are made to tether to something. Bob Dylan says, it might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And and he's exactly right. You're either going to serve money with your life. You're going to serve a career. You're going to serve your own ego. You are going to serve something because you're not an island, as John Donne said. And David understood this when he said, you've got to lead me to a rock that's higher than I am because I was made to be tethered to something. And you are going to be tethered to something. My question is, how do we tether ourselves to the Lord? And I will submit to you that praying a prayer when you're six years old, saying, Jesus, would you please save me from hell? I want to know you. Please come into my heart. That is a killer step along the way. And that alone is not enough to tether you to the Lord. I'll talk about this process in a second. There's a school of thought that says that what we want is new Christianity. There was actually a book that came out several years ago called A New Kind of Christian. And we want the new version of everything. I just want you all to know that doesn't exist. There's not a new version of the church. Um, Somewhere in Jeremiah, it says, uh, Lord, show us the ancient paths. What is it? Jeremiah 6.16. Great. Jeremiah 6.16. What we're trying to do is we're looking into this ancient book to go, God, what is the eternal road? I'm trying to uncover and rediscover that ancient path. Not trying to come up with something new. I distrust new ideas. If it's true, it's always been true. Did you know 2 plus 2 is not a new idea? Very old. That means it was true a thousand years ago. Therefore, it can be true today. If it's something that just popped into somebody's brain today for the very first time, it's not true. So I'm telling you, I'm just giving you a little piece of advice based on what's in the cultural waters right now. Something that's called progressive Christianity, you're not interested in, and you stay away from it. Got it? Okay. Based on what she said. Paul knows this, but the Jewish concept of time, the the Buddhist concept of time is that we're all just going round and round on a merry-go-round. And nothing ever advances. The, the, The Jewish concept of time is that there are cycles... But those cycles repeat each, each other, but they're leading somewhere. There's cycles, and we should be familiar with the cycles. We should know. I wish I had my Bible here. I usually like to refer to my Bible with my hands. We should know. Thank you so much. We should know the cycles which are described in this book so that when we see, oh, travail is happening in my life. Oh, that's not a new thing. That, that's well discussed here. Oh, travail. Oh, I can study That's one of those cycles, and it's going to come around. World powers opposed and deposed and new powers coming. Oh, that's part of this cycle that goes on. The Lord has things to say about this. There's nothing new under the sun. There's just new permutations of these things. Does it encourage you at all when you consider that with institutions crashing around us, there's a stone that's higher than we are that will never, ever change? Okay, if that encourages you, a little bit, you might be in the right place. I want, us to, I want us to be the kind of people that God, when God reveals the truth to us, oh baby, I want to tether my life to it. 
So I'm going to come back to the tethering idea in just a second as I discuss these stages. Now, in the Bible, we, in English, we, were, we read the word son a lot. That we are God's sons, we're God's children, that um, behold what manner of love the Father has given to us, that we could be the sons of God, the children of God. And that is what we are, that's 1 John 4, 7. Etc. There's a lot of verses about come to him like a child. There are a lot of verses about sonship. But in the Greek, there's five different words that are all translated child or son, and they all give us a different picture of maturity. When I was six years old and I said yes to Jesus for the first time, I was not as mature in Christ as I am now. And I'm not as mature in Christ as I'm going to be when it's all over. Amen. When I, when I was six and I said yes to Jesus, the Bible would say I was a newborn child. The Greek word for that is napios, infancy. That means I didn't know what the Bible said. My worldview was totally worldly. I got my values from whatever the kids at the playground said or what the TV commercials told me. I didn't know God's word. I didn't know how to say no to sin. I didn't know how to, how to have a good character and stand in the Lord. And I didn't know any of that stuff. The, the next way that um, son is translated, you don't have to memorize or write these words down. It's not important. <clears throat> Paideon is, is um, childhood. So when you read that we're just come to the Lord like little children with the innocence that go, I believe you. What do you say? And if he says, there's an invisible world that you can't see. Okay, I just believe you. And we all have to walk through this stage on our way to maturity in the Lord. We have to say to him, I just trust whatever you say. Don't eat that. It's bad for you. It looks colorful. It looks fun. Don't eat it. Okay, I won't eat it. We have to go through this stage. But we're not supposed to stay there. Next stage is technon, which is adolescence. These are sort of uh, teenage years. And if you've, been, if you've been trying to seek God, you know what it's like to feel up and down. And you just kind of get frustrated with yourself because I feel inconsistent. Some days I feel like I really love God, and some days I feel like a bump on a log, and, I, and I'm really bored with God. I don't, I don't, I want to do what I want. You're a spiritual teenager. That's what teenagers are like. They, you just can't depend on them. They're up and down. They show signs sometimes. Well, whoa, this guy's really getting it. And then like, oh, boy, are you still three years old? That's this stage where they're starting to, I'm prophesying a little bit. I think maybe I have some ministry skills. Now I'm, I'm applying God's word to this thing. He really took me out of this place. I was really scared, but God was there for me. But the next thing that comes along that makes them feel threatened, they go into self-concern and self-pity and, you know, God wants to grow us out of that. So we come to a place, trumpets should sound right now, da da da, huias. This is maturity in Christ. This is a full grown man in Christ. Every time that Jesus is referred to as God's son in the scriptures, he's referred to as God's huias. And when um, the, the big moment when Jesus came out of the water out after, after being baptized and there was a voice from heaven and he said, this is my huias and I am very pleased with him. 
And that was Jesus' public entrance to the world. That was him disrobing and going, here I am, I'm the Messiah. That was huios, that was this huios moment. I want you all to have the ambition that someday I'm going to be grown up in him. Someday I am going to just dole out skills, spiritual skills. I'm going to be able to slice and dice God's word. When any travail comes my way, I'm going to understand, oh, this is one of the world systems that's crumbling around me. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Just be able to do that stuff automatically, just spitting out encouragement to people around you and cutting down lies when they come your way. <clears throat> We're not watching that. No, that's not true. We're not watching that. Okay, this thing's pure. The, the, the man of God, the mature man of God, this is from Timothy, is able to judge everything and go, that's pure. We can do that. Can't do that. Nope. My, my, I belong only to Jesus. Can't watch this thing. Sorry. That's a mature move. Pater is just huios plus time. Huios is a grown man who can have children, and eventually he's going to have children, and he's going to produce disciples. That's, so we don't need to worry about pater. All right. Is there a reason that the Bible talks about sonship versus sonship and daughtership? There sure is, Paul. Yeah, that, that's a great point because in, in our culture, in our times, we find this offensive, and I see people reading the Bible and they'll say sonship and daughtership. No, the Bible doesn't say daughtership. It says sonship for a reason. So scripturally, it says that in Christ, there is no, everybody know this verse? There is no Jew or Greek. There's no slave or free. There's no male or female. What does that mean? It means that you don't bring your private parts to your relationship with God and go, here's how I identify myself. In Christ... You are God's son. And what does that mean, says Paul? It means that we have an inheritance. When the scripture was written, the cultural truth is that daughters, they didn't have anything. And so they were going to have to hope that, you know, the, the uh, uh, fashion trends of 3000 BC were really going to be great this year so that I could find a guy who's going to take care of me for the rest of my life because I have no inheritance. When I leave my father's house, I got nothing. I can't take care of myself. They don't work. We're not going to hire a woman for a job. Sorry, that just did not happen in Bible times. So you're like, uh, can anybody take care of me? Radical, radical idea when the Bible is written to say women are sons of God. What? What are you talking about? You have an inheritance in the Lord, and everything that is on Jesus' downline, you get it. What? I thought I was disqualified from all things because of my gender. We're not talking about gender when we come before the Lord. We're his sons. That's why the language is used that way. We, we have this American thing in us where we've got this list of things that I identify about myself. These are the things I care about. Now let's see if the Bible can do a dance to get through my things I need it to say. I increasingly hear people say, well, that's not the God I believe in who does blah, blah, blah. I couldn't give two rats butts about what you think about the God you believe in. What matters is the God who is. And as he reveals himself to us, we have one move and it's I will submit to what you say. That's it. So if he says to me, 
Stephen, you don't get to come to me in your maleness or your femaleness. You're just my son because I say so. That doesn't mean that your femaleness means nothing. He created you the way that you are, and he actually has really wonderful things to say about femaleness and here being an actual, a representation of the, of the bride of Christ, which men have to learn from. Because I'm part of the bride of Christ. It's like, I got some learnings to do. Because I don't know how to do that very well. Well, I'm going to have to submit to him and follow him and serve him. Like, I don't really want to do that because the male sin in me is like, I'm going to be in charge. I'll just run everything. You, got, you, don't, you, can't, you can't come to me that way. You have to come to me as a bride. I don't know how to do a bride. Look at some godly women around you, Stephen, and maybe you can learn how to be a bride toward me. Oh, okay. So there's a revelation, certainly, in our genders. But as far as my relationship being on God's downline and what I get from him, he says that purposefully. We're his sons and that we get all of the goods. They're all ours. This is 1 Corinthians 2 or 3. No matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. And that means for me and for Yasmin equally. Hallelujah. So like when I hear like my first verse that comes to my mind, I think of children in the Bible is in Matthew when Jesus says, Let the little children come to me for this is the kingdom of heaven. That's right. Like, which one do you know specifically? Yeah, it's this one. Pideon. And that, that same picture of let the little children come to me is the same is the same picture as when he says you're gonna have to humble yourself to be like this, because you don't See, the Pharisees were like, we're grown-ups, we're leaders. We enter here. We'll be huyas. He goes, you don't get in that way. Sorry. You're going to have to be, this is Nicodemus, John 3. You're going to have to be born again. How can I be born again? I'm an old man. I know you think you're so wise and you're so grown-up. You're going to have to start at zero. And I'm going to have to grow you up. You're going to have to receive the kingdom this is the part where you're receiving, receiving, receiving the kingdom. Tell me what to think, Daddy. Tell me what color the sky is. What am I allowed to eat? Who can I be friends with? I'm receiving, receiving the kingdom. And then we get to grow up into maturity. Those guys want to jump in at adulthood, and you cannot, not allowed to do it. Won't happen. Can't happen. Scripturally, you can't be a leader in the church if you're a new convert. Why? Because if you're a new convert, you're here. And you have to, this takes time to grow up. Paul, when he was Saul, he was up here as a Pharisee. He was a leader, leader, leader. And he came to the Lord, and, and he's like, I'm ready to rock and roll for Jesus. Now I belong to Jesus. And Jesus was like, Justin Bieber, which is Saul, you can't do that. You're going to have to go back over here. And God put him in the desert and squirreled him away for three years. Ugh. I, I guarantee you, Saul was patting his foot, going, when do I? Well, I know I'm a leader. I can see my gifts in me. I know I'm a leader. God, I know you're a leader. I think I, think I was really supposed to make a big difference. I know you're supposed to make a big difference. you got to enter like a kingdom. So everybody, let the little children come who just want to receive, and then they're going to grow up into this thing. Let's proceed. None of these categories about how long you've known God. Most of our churches are packed tight with people who are in one of these first two categories. And they've been that way for 20, 30 years. But they've not done what it takes to grow up. And God is not pleased. I know that. 
because the, the marching orders in Matthew 28 was that we would make disciples. That exists over here. Here's my verses. You're mere napios in Christ. You're still not ready. You're still worldly. I love that passage in 1 Corinthians 3 because it doesn't demean these people for being worldly. Isn't that crazy? They're brand new in Christ. They're still sleeping around and getting drunk and believe all sorts of stupid things. They might believe, well, Jesus is one of many gods you can put your trust in. I just happen to put my trust in Jesus. Like, what are you saying? Don't you know anything? No, not really. He just, I just, he just saved me. One of my, one of my heroes is a guy named Keith Green. He used to drive around in, in, uh, in California. He is a hippie. The Jesus movement days of the 70s, he'd drive around the van, he'd pick up hitchhikers, and he'd tell them, you got to go to heaven. You, you don't want to go to hell forever. you got to go to heaven. What do I do? I go to heaven. Just pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. And the guy goes, I don't believe that. I don't care, man. Just say the prayer, and you'll go to heaven. It'll be great. Because he, he, he was just sounding off, because he had these, you know, he was immature at that time. So this is, a, this is a, one of those verses it says mere, mere children in Christ, mere napios in Christ. You're still not ready. Okay, next verse, Pideon. Dear Pideon, don't let anyone lead you astray, 1 John 3. Oh, this is such a precious moment. Please, that's, why, that's why our Pideon are encouraged. Just drink the pure spiritual milk of the word. Does that ring a bell? Anybody heard that passage? Just drink the pure spiritual milk of the word of God during this stage. Because we don't want, you're just growing up. If you get some weird chemicals in you, it could jack up the way you grow up and your bones could twist and all sort of bad things. Just drink good, pure spiritual milk. Don't let anybody lead you astray during this time. What's so precious? Oh, this, this, this learning time. Next one, technon, that we behold what manner of love, that we could become the technon of God. Behold what manner of love, that we could just be his teenagers and that he would put up with us. What manner of love? Okay, next one, Huias. I love this verse. All of creation waits in eager expectation for the Huias of God to be revealed. That is hot, hot. We're talking about the cosmic story of the universe. And, and the, the context in Romans 8 is that the creation that was put into subjection and that sin cracked the world and it made it twisted and warped. There's something in the cosmos that is waiting for this moment. And what's the moment going to be? The moment is when the huias of God are revealed on the earth. That's what you and I are straining towards, that we should be straining towards, is I want to grow up in him because this is the destiny of the ages, is that the huias of God would be revealed on the earth. They're rare. If you find one of these people... You tether your life to them. You say, can I change the oil in your car so that I could spend some time around you and you could tell me what is it like to know God? What's it like to follow him? I found one of these guys when I was 15 years old. First, first guy I ever knew that was like this. And I, I just said, what do we have to do to spend time together? He's like, well, I'm a single guy. I'm an accountant. Uh, you know, I have, you know, a week, uh, an evening uh, about every couple of weeks that I have open. And I don't know, I like to go to the pool. You go to the pool if you want. I like pools. I'll go to the pool with you. That's fine. And hung out with this guy. And I would just ask him questions about like, how are you dating? 
what's it like for you to date? And he would always go like this. Well, let me answer that question this way. Well, how do you, did you say you're on a diet? Why are you on a diet? Well, let me answer that question this way. Here's what the Bible says. Just talk to him about his life. And he started teaching me how to grow up because these guys are treasure and they don't run around in herds. When you find one of them, you try to lock it down and go like, how do I ingratiate myself into you? Because I want to be like you. Okay, next. I'm going to give you 10 things that look like we us. And they might overwhelm you. And you might think, maybe two of those apply to me. That's okay. But this is my image of a dude. I'm a, I got this on Unsplash. But I really like this guy. I, this, to me, this guy looks like he's got some gray in his beard. I made this black and white. He does have some gray in his beard. He's been around a little bit. I see him as, oh, he's in his 40s. He's got a couple of young'uns. And he has, a, he has an eye toward the future. This guy's got some vision, and he's been around a while, and he's no nonsense, and he knows what he's doing. That's what I see in this picture. I'm going to give you ten things that I think express what quios is scripturally. All right? Number one, the ability to shrug off accusation regarding your past by standing in forgiveness. Any of you that have ugly pasts know that's a skill that has to be learned. Because the enemy will come knocking Come whispering his crappy accusations in your ear about what a loser you are. And it takes some skill to grow up and go, no, that's not who I am anymore. I stand in the forgiveness that's been afforded to me. Okay, number two, never falling into trying to earn love from God. This is a long walk. I don't know how Paul did it in three years. Honestly, it took me a lot longer than three years to grow out of this. I, uh, it might be the case that I still fall into it sometimes. Thinking, if I read my Bible today, I think God likes me a little bit more. Not true. This is a hard one. Okay, number three. Properly discerning sin and evil and dealing with it ruthlessly. That is, living separately from the world. Tough one. That takes a while to discern what is sin and evil. Let's go. Let's just proceed. Number four, confidence in the invisible. Use of the authority of prayer. Prayer isn't a concept. It's a lifeline that you live with every day. Number five, zealous thirst for the riches of the kingdom of God and greater things. John 14, 12 says, Jesus says, the things that I have done, you're going to do too. Everyone who believes in me is going to do them. And you're going to do greater things than I have done. Because I'm going to the Father, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You're going to do things that even I didn't do on earth. I have friends who have been raised from the dead. But I haven't personally laid my hands on somebody and watched the life come back into their eyeballs yet. But I'm going to do that. I haven't personally laid my hands on people and seen cancer leave, although we have seen people healed of cancer. I haven't personally seen it happen under my hands. But I'm going to. The greater things that are promised to us uh, 
we're, I'm going to be zealous for them. It's part of my inheritance as a son. And I'm not going to be dissuaded from getting those things. When 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 tell me what I can have through prophecy, through speaking in tongues, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, I'm not going to go, well, I've just never been the kind of person who knows blah, 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 blah. I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. And I'm getting it. The Matthew 18 stuff, hard stuff, opposing somebody and saying, you're wrong. Scripturally speaking, you're wrong. And I stand, not in the name of Stephen, I stand in the name of the scriptures, and I'm telling you you're wrong. I'm telling you personally. That's not a fun thing, but it's a thing of maturity, and I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I might not be a great teacher of God's word yet, but I can see that it's something that I have to walk through if I'm going to grow up and be conformed into the image of his son, which is my destiny, according to Romans 8, 29. And I'm going to get it. I'm going to learn how to be a great teacher of the word. I'm going to divide it responsibly. That's what I mean by number five. I want you to have that desire. All right. Number six, governmental skill in ministry, judging, and rightly applying God's word to any and every situation. That's a grown-up that can pull that off. Number seven, ability to endure suffering peacefully as necessary training from the judge. Ooh, that's a, oh, that's a hard one. The Lord has squeezed me a couple of times in my life quite, quite sternly. Uh, I, I would say he's, he's, he's dealt with me um, strictly. And I, I don't think I've seen the last time that he squeezes me. But I can tell you this, the more recent times that he's squeezed me, I'm getting better at the way that I suffer. And Hebrews 5 says that Jesus learned obedience by suffering. And I have a feeling that's how you're going to learn obedience too, by suffering. The American move for suffering is to whine your bloody eyes out to anyone who will listen to you and scream about how bad it is for you. The scriptural way to endure suffering is found, one, one hint is found in James 1, that we do so joyfully, realizing he's doing his work in me, promised he would do this. This is a huge one. Whew. I'll give you a little promise. This is free. It's not in my notes. This is um, Hebrews 12, 5, I think. It says that you can endure all hardship as discipline from God. Give me a show of hands. Who thinks you're enduring some kind of hardship in your life right now? Any kind. You, you, get, to, you get to say whether. Nice and high. Let's see him. Nice and high. All right. Thank you. Now you get to decide whether you want to endure that hardship. Just, well, this is just part of life. I will make it through. And Friday's coming. You can do that if you want to. Or, if you want to, you can realize that Hebrews 12.5 is true. 
This is part of my diet that is prescribed to me. And oh God, would you help me to suffer in a way that honors you? I would like to learn these lessons as quickly as possible so that I don't have to go through the same lesson over and over. Just teach me, Lord. I want this pain that I'm going through right now, this hardship, I want you to train me by it. That's exactly what Hebrews 12 says. Those who are trained by it can grow up. Number eight, fearlessness toward death and any threat. Now that's one of the band-aids the Lord is pulling off in these days. If your reaction to what's happening in the world right now is fear, I don't condemn you. That's not actually a huge problem, but you should just repent of fear because fear is not part of the package of the mature. So, that's okay. Help me to tether myself to you. Number nine. Dependable, self-controlled, elder-caliber character in all situations. There's two passages in the Bible that talk at length about what being an elder is, and it's a, describe, it's a description of huios. That in all situations, I'd be steady and self-controlled. That when, I don't know, if, if somebody breaks into your car tonight... You go, well, that I cannot handle. And that's when the four little words just start streaming. And you go, who can get me a bourbon tonight because I need it, margarita time. Okay, all right, we found your breaking point. But we want to be self-controlled, elder caliber character in all situations. And the only time, by the way, that we have to actually see what your character is and when the chips are down. I used to be a worship leader, do my hair, put a little gel in there. Sunday mornings walk up, hey everybody, isn't Jesus great? You're all looking at me, I'm on stage right now. I smell great, I'm on stage, I got the microphone, spotlight on me, hey, Jesus is great everybody, see you later. <laughs> and everybody, oh, look at him, he plays a guitar. Not hard to follow Jesus in that moment, and you have no idea what my character is in that moment. It's when my car is broken down and I'm 30 miles outside of town and I'm supposed to be somewhere in an hour. We'll find out what your character is there. Not when you're on stage, everything's pretty. It's when the chips are down. We want to be Christ-like in that moment. And until we are, let's just keep giving ourselves to the Lord. Okay? Number 10. Utter confidence in God's sovereignty and cosmic purposes. That's where I opened up tonight. Utter confidence, total calm. Isaiah says, when you walk through the fire, you got to know that I'm there. When you're walking, when you're surrounded by a flood, you know that I'm there. This utter confidence that circumstance can't change. All right, now, when I give you this list of things, you, th 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 this might be like, well, shoot, I'm not, I'm not there. And you might think, I feel like a baby. <laughs> you just described you, this Venezuelan man who's got it all together. I feel more like this guy. This guy goes crazy if he has one degree of pain. He just completely loses it. And if that's you, I just want to say, I didn't give you this list to overwhelm you. I gave you this list to set your ambitions in place. To go, I'm going here. I'm going, I'm going to get there. And if that's you, this guy would say, don't be overwhelmed, bro. Just be on the way. Just be on the way. We're going to get there. It's our destiny. We're going to get there. 
You don't have to condemn yourself or judge yourself for not being there right now. I just want you to know we're going to get there. Every, oh yeah, every stage needs God's word and God's presence and training. Every stage. He's God's word, God's presence and training. God's word, I guarantee you, is going to mean something very different to this guy than it means to this guy, than it means to that guy. His word's going to, he's, different things are going to come out of John 3, 16. One verse going to be applied different ways. But we all need this, and we all need, here's the word I want you to really hear, training. Really need training. Can you imagine just telling a baby, you'll be fine. Hey, you'll be fine. Just hang around other humans. I'm sure you'll grow up, you'll be fine. Uh, no, I'll die. But this is what we do to Christians all the time. You're born again, you said yes to Jesus, oh, that's awesome, we'll see you Sunday. You're going to be fine, you're going to grow up. Uh, don't know how to eat. Hello? Don't know how to change my diapers. Hello? Any help here? Don't know how to get shelter. Don't know how to stay safe. Hello? Uh, we need training. That guy's fine. You know, we, we love the little house and the prairie books in my house. I have little girls. Paul, you could throw Paul into a wilderness and he would have a house built in three days. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He, he would do exactly, he, he would say, it's fine, we'll have a house built by this date for it. Unbelievable. This guy can handle himself. He can do it. Can't handle himself. Needs help. Needs help. Training. We need training. I, I hope I'm painting for you a picture. I hope you can feel the delta between where you are and where you want to be. And I hope that you can hear training is what you need between here and there. You need it. You need it. I was a missionary in my 20s, and um, a friend told me, your 20s are for training, Stephen. And I was like, no, they're not. I'm 23. I know exactly what I'm doing, and I'm ready to go. I'll minister to the whole world. He's like, no, Stephen, your 20s are for training. I feel like, I don't feel like I need training. I feel like a grown-up. He's like, that tells me you're not a grown-up, okay? So you need to be trained. Okay, this is Matthew 24. You people who like Jesus and like the Bible, I would encourage you to read Matthew 24 this week. Might be a good reference for what's happening as the institutions are shifting around you. Here's a promise. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. This is the Savior talking. At that time, many will be offended and repelled by their association with me and will fall away from the one whom they should trust and will betray one another, handing over believers to their persecutors. What? Some believers are going to hand over other believers and turn them in so that they can be persecuted. What? That's what this says. And will hate one another. Many false prophets will appear and mislead many. It's a promise. You need to know how to judge things because they're coming and they will be good. They will be so good at what they do. They will mislead many. You're not smarter than the many who will be misled. This is your only hope to tether yourself to the rock that's higher than you. Many false prophets will appear and mislead many because lawlessness has increased. The love of most people will grow cold. The love of which people? The love of which people? Most. The love of most 
will grow cold. We're talking about people who say they love Jesus. We're not talking about people cold towards Jesus. They can't turn off love toward Jesus. Imagine everybody you know in your life right now who would say, I love Jesus. Put them in a basket. The love of most of those people is going to turn off at the end of the age. But the one who endures and bears up under suffering to the end will be saved. Oh God, I'm going to pray this right now. I'm not kidding. This isn't for show. I'm actually praying this. You can agree with me if you want to. Oh God, would you do whatever is necessary in my life so that at the end of the age, I won't drop out and turn on you? Oh God, I'm asking you, Lord, that you would deal with me now Deal with me right now so that I can endure and not be part of the many whose love grows cold in the midst of hardship. I mean it when I say it, God. Amen. So for my purposes, I'm going to give a little Stevie translation of this verse. The one who's properly matured, trained, and tethered will be saved. You think that coming around the, the building with the blue wall, the cool, stripy sound thing you think that's going to be good you can think that's going to do it in these times it scares me it scares me it makes me very concerned for myself it's because of that word it's because of that this is the word this is the concerning word here for me i'm part of most that's me i'm part of most so i better pray to god i can learn how to be tethered to him tethered to him yes you have to be mature in order to be tethered? What a great question. When the, when the final curtain comes down, what if I just got born again two days ago? Am I tethered? Well, as I see it, if I can go, just to, you imagine that, that deal there. This baby over here, this baby is, is, has been tethered to the Lord, and, God, and God's going to spend the rest of your life going click, 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 and he's bringing you short, closer and closer and closer to him. And as the Bible tells us, as we get closer to God, we change. That is an awesome truth. If I just get closer to him, I don't actually have to worry about, I need to focus on my language today. Try not to say any bad words today. Oh boy, maybe God has you do that as an assignment. But not every person has to do that. You just have to go, I just want to get closer to the Lord. He will deal with your mouth on the way to him. He will deal with your thoughts on the way to him. 1 John 3, 2, I think, says... Uh, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. So just seeing him, his presence burns off everything that is impure. So this guy, if the curtain came down right if you're born again, you're good. You're telling. Tick, 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 tick. Well, but we have to say yes to him all along the way. And the point in your life, I don't know if you ever had this point in your life, when you go like, I don't really want any of God right now. And I know what he's saying to me right now. And I don't want to do it. I think I've been there before, at least for a day or two. That's a time to be concerned. Because you're telling him, I don't want to. Hold on a second. You can feel he's pulling me close. Hold on a second. I, I, I don't want that right now. That's the time to be really nervous, biblically speaking. 
But if you're just saying yes to him, and you're all over the place, but you're making your way to him, all's well. It doesn't matter how mature you are. I'm just interested in that because I know it's your destiny. We're going to get there. I know it's your destiny. So that's a great question. And if he comes tonight, I, I'm, I don't look like Jesus right now. I don't. And if he comes tonight and we hear shofars in the heavens tonight, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll probably run out of the building. and I just want to run. I just When I hear the shofar, I'm just going to run. I don't know where I'm going to run because I won't be any closer to the shofar. I just feel like I'm going to run. Anyways, if that happened tonight, when you hear shofars in the heavens, which would be the signal that he's coming, if you're in a place where you're just saying yes to him, I'm just, I'm just with him. You're good. Yeah, I'm thinking of the thief on the cross right now, too. You know, I mean, this guy was you know, a couple hours away from dying a horrible death, and he said, you know, Jesus, remember me when you get into, my, into your kingdom. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you'll be with me in paradise today. And so, yes, we remain tethered, those of us who are, are growing up into maturity, but then there's, there's also grace for somebody who surrenders their life at the last second. I mean, it, that, that's kind of what makes grace yeah. grace. Uh, I, I put this passage up in front of you guys because a day is coming when there will be a sifting out. My question is, which of these stages do you think is the most vulnerable to most, the love of most, growing cold? If we can say everybody who's ever said yes to Jesus any point in their life is somewhere on this chart and the love of most will grow cold. Do you think it's safe to say the further to the left you are, the more susceptible you are to trouble and falling away and not lasting when the big shakedown comes? Do you think it's safe to say the further to the right you are, the more tethered you are to the Lord? Do you think that's safe to say? And this is just, I'm just connecting some dots here. My, my recommendation to you is that please do whatever you possibly can to move in that direction. I say it this way. Deepen your devotion to Christ at any cost. It's pretty simple. Deepen your devotion to him at any, at any cost. Or as Mary said at the wedding in Cana, do whatever he tells you to do. That's the best move. Just obey him. And just be, I want to be more and more devoted to him. I'll just say, the Lord gave me a dream in 2011. Um, I don't have a lot of uh, prophetic dreams. I really don't. Maybe a couple a year. And this is probably the most important dream the Lord's ever given me. In 2011, he showed me, I lived in Cincinnati, and, and my dream was populated with Crossroads friends. And it, it was for now. Um, and the picture in the dream was that there was a bunch of people in, in army, wearing army stuff, me and my friends and, and associates. We're wearing fatigues. We're all, we're, clearly we're in an army. And what you know what we were doing in the dream? Just screwing around. Drinking beer, chatting. It looked, it looked a lot like man camp, actually. We are just hanging around. If you saw the scene that I saw in my dream, you wouldn't think anybody was in charge. There's just a bunch of milling around, hanging around. 
and I became convinced in my heart, uh, there's war that's coming to us very soon. And the dream, I became convinced. And I knew there wasn't enough time to try to convince all these guys of this thing. I just knew it. And so I started looking for guns. And so we started ripping down the ceilings and ripping up the floorboards. Where's guns? We actually found some guns. But then I thought, we don't know how to use these guns. I thought, nobody's in charge here. There's no chain of command. We don't know who has any authority. I don't know how to use these guns. I ran outside and saw people kind of playing with some, some cannon kind of stuff, like, oh, awesome. It's cool, man. You do that again. Let's do it again. Just goofing, just goofing. And I just thought, oh, man, oh, no, oh, no. And at the end of my dream, um, we're, we were kind of in, in, on a farm kind of deal with a field, and there's, there's woods on the edge of this property. At the end of the dream, the enemy started coming in. I could see the enemy coming in from the edge of the forest. And the enemy was about 10 or 15 feet tall. And they had machine guns in both hands. It went to slow motion. I actually heard uh, orchestras, you know, like in the movie. It went to slow motion. The orchestra strings came up. And it was just, it was like, cha, 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 cha. Had, had machine guns in both hands. And it was just like the enemy was just going to love feasting on all the nincompoops who were wearing fatigues and playing army guys. Didn't have a fat clue what we were doing. And it's just going to go, cha, 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 just going to tear us all down. That was the end of my dream. It wasn't pleasant at the end of it. <clears throat> but when I woke up, the Lord told me a couple of things, which I'll share with you. And are going to sound severe, but whatever. This is, this is what I heard from God. And just free, just a free little license for you. You can discount my dream. I don't base my theology on my dreams. It's just how the Lord talks to me. Sometimes if you don't think it's real, it doesn't really matter. I'm just going to tell you what I thought I heard the Lord say. I'll tell you three points he said to me after the dream. One, our fascination with clothes and entertainment is completely meaningless and inappropriate. Two, career, dis career ambitions of any description are a waste of time. Talking to me. You can take it for yourself if you want it. Sound like urgent, urgent kind of stuff? Three, we need to pray for preparation. We need to know exactly which times we're living in and how much time we have. So if I can if I can connect that picture with the tethering that is necessary. And the stages of growth which the Lord calls us to, but which we as a church on the whole are not interested in the steps of pain and training that it takes to grow up into maturity. And the Lord wants to change it. This, this, everything that I'm describing to you, this, ready, this is the drum roll, this is why jump school exists for the reasons I have been sharing with you for an hour and a half. This is why Jump School exists. It's to help you get tethered to the Lord more tightly. It's to help you to move to the right as you mature with your destination being Christ-likeness. That is your destination as a son of God. It's your destination. And so we don't get caught like this when Matthew 24 happens. Matthew 24 is going to happen. I don't want to be caught 
swilling around beers with buddies when it happens. I want to be at attention with my rifle clean. I know exactly where the ammo is, and I know the voice of the commander, and I'm ready to be deployed when Matthew 24 happens. That's what I want for me and for all of my bros. This, these are, this photograph is, is prep drills that the airborne dudes are doing. They're not at war in this photograph. But they have to prepare for war because these guys are the ones that saved the world. These are World War II guys. And they're preparing to save the world. I want us to be ready that when the big shake comes, we, we're standing. And I mean we. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't have a pass on this. I got to be pushing towards we us. Here's my little definition. Discipleship is a lifelong commitment to find Jesus and throw ourselves at his feet for his service, his conforming us, and his worship. It is a lifelong commitment. It's not a, it's not a stage. Oh, I think I arrived. I think I got to the zone. I think I'm done now. Oh, cool. I can coast from here. American retirement. Whew. Doesn't exist. A lifelong commitment to find him. I use that word because a follower of Jesus is someone who goes and finds him. These little guys that were on the left here, you got to go to them. They, they need help. When you move to the right, you got to go find him. It's your job to go find him. And I told you I'd give you another passage to spend time on. If there's not hot sauce on 1 Peter 3 and it's not the order of the day, then I'm a blue monkey. I'm telling you, 1 Peter 3 is hot Jones action right now. 1 Peter 3. I encourage you, stick your nose in there. If you want to read the newspaper for what's happening right now, read 1 Peter 3. All right, rounding into home. Here we go. So I'll be very blunt with you all. I want you. I want every one of you to grow up into we us. And if you don't have some place to do that, actually, I don't care where you get it. I just want you to get it. I don't need you to wear my little brand. Oh, look, we got a logo. It's a jump school logo. I don't care where you go to get it. I want you to get him. And I want you to grow up into maturity. And I want you. I want you. I need you as my partner. He, he is assembling an end times army. And it's easier to say that message today than it was five years ago because it didn't feel like end times five years ago. It's like, we got new iPhones. They're cool. Today, with the headlines that are running, you go like, yeah, there might be end, yeah, might be end times. What's going on here? Well, anybody have any answers? Yes. There's an army being assembled. Can we consecrate ourselves to the Lord again tonight? Yes. Would you guys be willing to do that before we leave? Yes. 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 Okay, well, I'd like to do that. This... This uh, content stirs me up, and it makes me excited, and it makes me want to know him more. It makes me want to be more fully devoted to him. So I, we won't drag this on. We're not, I'm not going to take 20 minutes to do this, but I would like for us to just pray some honest prayers to God. So um, I'm going to kneel in prayer. You don't have to. You can if you want to. You can bow on your face before God. I don't care. For me, kneeling just shows um, reverence and submission to God. So that's what I'm going to do. 
And I'm, I'm going to pray the closing prayer. And I don't care who prays before me or what you say, as long as you react to whatever you might have heard God say through his word tonight. Okay? Here we go. I'm going down like this. And then whoever's going to pray first, you pray first, and I'll pray last. Hey God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this room that you would give us such a fun way to glorify your name, God. Um, our design is your glory, and you give us such a cool way to do that. And I'm so grateful that John Fools one of those ways. I pray that you continue to humble each and every one of us as we come here each week, as we come to just know more about your name, God, know more about your story, and more about your design on our hearts, God. Um, I pray that we submit outside of this classroom to you, God. Help every prayer, every piece of scripture point to you uh, clearly. Help us to take that and go forward, God, not just take that and be satisfied with where we're at. Um, I pray that you're continually pulling us more and more mature, God, as we come to your feet throw ourselves down to mission, God. I pray that you help us embrace any struggle and pain and suffering that comes through um, this time of life, coming to know you better, God. Help us to point to you in uncomfortable situations with your truth and your life. God, I pray that we can just jump right in, God, that this is a place where we feel comfortable and where community needs to be built, God. Um, I pray for this class, um, that we can be vulnerable, God, that we can meet new people, that we can learn new situations and be better prepared for the situations we'll face in the future, God. Um, I pray for this class and the opportunity we're going to have um, to be vulnerable, God, and to just jump into community and jump into um, learning and uh, just commit ourselves to lifelong God, I'm just looking at these plates. Uh, each and every one of us uh, created with an uniqueness uh, for you. God, I just pray that over these four weeks, just that uh, you are with us, that you swell um, our hearts. Uh, we walk with the value that we will not, will not be in fear, uh, but rather through you. And I just go far beyond um, all understanding. I just pray this journey, um, just that you've taken us from glory to glory, um, just that we, we can walk in step with you, um, just be present with you. And I just want to pray for the individual um, that we care for you in this journey of, of just humbling ourselves um, before you, Lord. Um, I just look at these plates. God, I pray for these next two weeks that um, we're not only masked Your, your word 
universe? Yes. Every person in this room, Lord, let their lives be tethered to you. Yes. God, I just pray over the truth that we heard tonight. Uh, God, I pray for the way that you intervene in every person's life here to bring them to this room. God, I'm just thankful that I'm here, and thankful, Lord, that you have attached your tether to my hope. God, and I pray that I keep yes. it there every day for the rest of my life. Yes, God, I just want—I just want something real. I'm just tired of people telling me what I should believe and tricking me and telling me just lies. God, I want your truth, and I want—I want the zeal. I want the zeal that that you talk about in your scriptures, and I want to be just zealous for you, God. Just put that on my heart. Um, I want to chase after that, and God, just help me. Set me in that direction, because I want that. God, give me that. God, uh, stamp out any fears and make us soldiers. Lord, the postures that we're in before you, <clears throat> even if it's a bowed head, our posture signals to you that you're our king. We rever you, Lord. I can't believe that you would tell us the truth and invite us into your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that we know you. God, I, I consecrate myself to you again in a new way tonight. I belong to you lock, stock, and barrel. You're, you're the king of my past, and you'll be the one who, who decides my future, because I'm going to follow you into the future. And I want you to deal with me. I want you to grow me up as a disciple. I want to know you. I want you to sort through my relationships. I want you to sort out my thoughts, judge which of my thoughts is acceptable and which is not to you. You can judge my emotions. Tell me which ones are okay and which ones I need to change. The thoughts and attitudes of my heart, Lord, I want you to judge them. I want to follow you and I want to know you. I acknowledge you're the only thing that lasts. You're the only harbor that I'm safe in. Your name is a strong tower. And I want to run to you and to be tethered to you for all of my days, Lord. So we give ourselves to you, not just for tonight, Lord, but um, <clears throat> I just want to especially commit this semester to you, Lord. I don't know what you'll do in my life or in the world between now and May, but I, I don't want to miss anything that you have for me. So I present all of my possessions to you. I present uh, my family to you. I present my talents, my energy, my time, everything belongs to you. 
and I want you to deal with me in this semester so that I look more like Jesus at the end, so that my thoughts are more in line with your word, so that I know your word better, and I know how to apply your word. I ask you, Lord, for each of us that you would um, explain the times to us and give us teachers and prophets who will help explain your word to us and how it applies to the times that we live in so that we might not miss you in these times. I pray for all of these people here who came tonight out of um, an interest in you. And I ask that uh, they get what they're after with regards to you. You give them what they're asking for. Thank you, Lord, for this meeting and for the efficacy of your word. It's totally powerful today. It hasn't lost any of its power, hasn't lost any of its teeth, hasn't lost its ability to apply and to set us free tonight, right here in Cincinnati in 2021. We praise you for your holy word. Thank you, Lord.